I, I remember when we started and I was like, okay, you know what? We need to cut costs. Our cloud services, yeah. we host it. Let's look for something cheap. And it was like, no, if it's not AWS, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going elsewhere. And I was like, yes, it's expensive, you know, right? And it was like, you just have to, you just have to cope with that because once you start scaling, it's very hard to start migrating from a terrible cloud service or from a service yeah. that doesn't have that uptime, doesn't have the strength, doesn't have that scalability um, to probably an AWS one, Azure, right? And so we started mm-hmm. AWS. It was expensive. I was biting my, my tongue anytime I saw the bill at the end of the month, you know. Hey there, welcome to Growing Africa podcast. I'm Daniel Osa Edwin, and on this show, I interview the founders, operators, and growth leaders of African startups to learn how they acquire their first 1,000 users and approach growth. For the full Growing Africa experience, visit danielose.com slash growing Africa. So let's just start with like an introduction. Just um, introduce yourself. Okay, so my name is Dominic Kemote Aurokai. Um, I try not to pronounce my son's name because it's it's tongue, it's tongue twisting. Um, I'm from Delta States, um, Nigeria. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Tyros Technologies. Um, and we have a startup um, called uh, Maiden, or a product, I would say, called Maiden in the space right now. Nice. So I was looking you up, though. Uh, I think I got to see more of Tyros than this product you're talking about. So I'm guessing it's a new product or something. Okay, so Tyros is the company and Maiden is the product. Like modern child. Yes, sort of thing, yeah. So Nice. So I would like to know, though, I know you guys, you operate in the financial space, but give us more of a, a, a deeper background. What is Tyros? And how did you get the idea to build a company like Tyros with all of the product? I'm guess, I know for sure, yeah, being a founder myself, it's never a one product idea. You understand there are different, there are several other products in line. So what, what is Tyros generally and how did you get the idea to you know, build Tyros? Okay, so um, like you said, um, it's not a one product. It's not a one product thing as a founder. Um, sometime in 2021, right, um, I co-founded a, a traditional lending platform. And um, while we were doing that in 2021, um, Senec, um tried to make payments to Asia, right? And um, we tried to make payments roughly about um, $7,000. And we found out that the, the, the pricing was crazy. Um, also, the commissions on that $7,000 was also crazy. And we're wondering why, why in 2021, in the 21st century, the, yeah. the cost of border transactions in, in Nigeria or I'll say in Africa was this, was this expensive. It was, it was amazing. So um, I know I was talking with a friend in the evening on, um, in 2021, Kelechi, um, ex wave. And we're just talking, and I was like, oh, I'm trying to make this payment, 7000 I think it was about $7,700. And he was saying, oh, you know someone. And they would try the person. And two days later, the funds hadn't hit the beneficiary. And I was wondering, oh. why is this hard to make such payments? And then the beneficiary sent a message and said, oh, if you can make a card payment, right, um, that would yeah. suffice. And we said, okay, what card payment scheme would we would we would we would we look at doing? I said, okay, let's try Naira. And unfortunately, that was the period where banks were in Nigeria were saying, um, 
you could only access twenty dollars yeah. per month. Yeah, right. So it was it was it was crazy, you know, the back and forth to be able to consummate that transaction. I won't lie, it took probably two weeks or three weeks to get that that funds across. And so I was looking at the cross border space more, more, um, more in depth and said, okay, what can someone do, you know, to make this a bit easier? Yeah. We have a lot of we have a lot of companies who have come yeah. into the cross border space and um, till today, Africa still does not have infrastructure. We've had governments come together. It hasn't really done anything. You can see um, Europe mm-hmm. to step up. You can be in Spain and you can make payments to anyone in Europe, right? And it's almost instant, mm-hmm. um, at least mm-hmm. to the tune of 50,000 euros. Anything above 50,000 euros, we both know that that's something, you know. Something, that's a lot of money. That's, that's a lot, lot of money. Yes. So when you're moving 100 euros, 500 euros, you know, um, 10,000 euros, 5,000 euros, you can easily make that payment across waves. And so we got thinking late 2021, 2022, and we're saying, okay, how can we do combat this? But we noticed that in the space, a lot of people have tried out building out a remittance platform, right? A remittance infrastructure. Yeah. And I can tell you till today, there's nothing, it doesn't, it doesn't move from zero to one. So we started thinking, okay, what other way can cross-border payments be made? And so we came up with the Came up with the idea. Okay, how about we we look at cross border payments from a different perspective? This was before the Mastercard sent the visa push to card, right? Yeah. And I said, what can we do? How about if people are able to make payments on a card to the tune of probably fifty thousand dollars, as long as compliance is um, is done, right? And they're able to make yeah. payments via the cards, right? Because most most collection or payments payment system allows for cards as well, right? So we said, okay, how about we we'll find the best card provider in the space, right? We have a partnership with that card provider, and we in yeah. turn provide service in Africa or in Sub-Saharan Africa. Our our go-to market then was Nigeria. How about we provide a service in Nigeria, right? We'll see how it goes. If it's something mm-hmm. that you know catches on, we will look yeah. to build, we'll look to build a card program. Yeah. Yes, we'll be able to. We can look forward, you know, further down the roadmap to build a card program for Sub-Saharan Africa. And that was why that was where the idea came out for for Tyrus Technologies. And we registered it. We looked. It took it took us about six months to get a perfect a perfect partner in the space. We've talked with everyone in the space. Um, I think further down the line we we'll discussed about this. It's it's it wasn't easy. I'll tell you. You know, getting the team together, discussing, passing on the idea. Um, the three of us, I, Kelechi, and Ini, who is the CTO, we came together. We said this can work. Let's see. Let's let's have let's have a survey. We started asking questions. You know, we sent out we sent out questionnaires. We sent out surveys, and we we're able to get people saying yes, they're having issues with their current provider. Well, we wanted to go B to C, right? But we saw yeah. that oh, B to C will just be you know um, pushing ourselves to a corner. We we'll go B to B. We can offer this service to people across different different regions, right, and different yeah. corridors. So we decided to go B two B. Also, one of the reasons we went B two B was because of compliance, and that's how Tyrus Technology started. You know, offering APIs for for card issuance in Africa. Yeah, I would commend that idea of going B two B because I you know, it makes a lot of sense where you are just providing this service to people who 
have cost who have customers. So it's like they are always going to be in need of your service because they have customers who need to use their platform. As against having to do B2C where you're like spending so much on getting to rich people, but you know that the returns will not measure up. And that, yes. that was that was really smart actually. That was the core idea. Very fantastic. And I, I love what you guys are doing with that because it's in payments is still a very, very big problem till now. Uh, one of the things I was, I was thinking about when, you know, preparing myself for this uh, conversation was, you know, the fintech market, we, there's, a, there's an idea that the fintech market is like saturated, but when yeah. you do a deep look into the, the, the space, you realize that not so many solutions are even functional. So there are lots of people doing stuff inside, but we still don't get the results we're looking for. So even if someone is coming now today with a solution to something, they are very likely to find you know, people who are looking for their solution. Yes, yes. Like, I, I think the core problem in Africa is the infrastructure, right? What we have mm-hmm. are temporary solutions, you know, just, just stop gaps. That's what we, mm-hmm. we currently see in the market today. Okay. We're not seeing core infrastructure. So it's, it's um, unlike, so if you look at the payments in Kenya right now, right? Safaricom has been able to build an infrastructure for, for payments within Kenya, right? Okay. Right. But is it scalable to other, other, other corridors? No, because of the peculiarity of the African market. Also, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you integrate cross-border remittance with payments like Impesa? It hasn't really, doesn't really cut on. So far, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. having some 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 headway trying to you know integrate with therapy, if I'm not mistaken, over the last couple of months, seeing how they can you know enable people receive payments via their Impesa accounts. I don't know how that has gone, but I know as of the last time I checked, it wasn't really there yet. So there's still a lot of you know nuances about having this work seamlessly, like it does yeah. in parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the peculiarity of the African market is undeniable. So um, when did you, you know, officially launch? I know you, you mentioned some time space between 2021 and 2022. But when did you officially launch? And between then and now, how many users do you, do you have on your platform? Okay, so, um, so like I said, it took us a while to get a good partner. I think yeah. it also took us a while to, to ensure that the integration was good, was proper. We started alpha testing January 2023, um, just internal testing with our friends and families. Okay, come and check this. We created cards, you know, for free, for friends, for, for, for industry experts. We created cards. Check this card out. Use it mm-hmm. on platforms give us feedback we carried out another survey in january and uh, between january to march we took that back we worked on it and then we launched the better phase in march and we launched okay. the match we launched we launched to a, a friend who, who has a fintech in ghana fx kudi we launched to okay. him and he exposed the a- api you know to his customers on his mobile platform i also how good it was right and then we started we started, we started talking to other businesses, other fintechs in the space. And uh, as of today, I can say we have, we, have, we have 15 businesses on board and we have over 35,000 downlines in cards active today wow. in the last four months. Wow, that's massive numbers in four months. Yes, we've done, we've done over 35,000 cards. 
um, for the month of July, we processed about $1.1 million in transaction volume in July. We are on mm-hmm. cost processing $1.5 million as as of today for the month of August. Um, I know we are not where we want to be, but yes, we've come a long way. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll send different things along the way, yes. Yeah, I can, say, I can say you guys are actually doing very well for yourself, given the time space this solution has existed in. So um, you mentioned something about you know, reaching out to a friend. Was that your very first user, the uh, FX Studio? Yes, FX Studio uh, was our first user. Um, surprisingly, um, like I said, we took feedback um, on how the API should be. And FX Studio was able to integrate in one day. He still holds the record of, of the fastest integration we've had. He just mm-hmm. made sure it's Sunday. Sunday morning, he said, we're integrating today. All my resources are on board. This is a Sunday. If you guys aren't going to church or anywhere, please, can we complete this integration today? And then we started in the morning. We And by by 7 p.m. in the evening, it was fully integrated. It was ready to go live. On Monday, it launched. It was... Oh, it was wow. But at that, till today, that's still the fastest integration we've done. I don't know. I don't know how, how dedicated he was that day. I don't know how he was able to do it with his team. But till today, that's the fastest. And we went live with him, and um, that was that was when we fully launched in March. Mm-hmm. And it's good um, um, for for acquisition. Acquisition hasn't been. I won't say it's, it has been very difficult, but I will not say it's easy. Um, for our first set of users, the first five fintechs on board, we made we we utilized networks, went for events. You know, we talked with other founders in the space. We told them just try it. You know, see what it is, see what we're offering, test the APIs. You know, there were a lot of misgivings, there were a lot of doubts at the beginning. People were saying, "Oh, we've seen a lot of people come with cards." You know, doing mm-hmm. the then the downtime is uh, there's someone in this space. I'm not going to mention him. A founder in this space. He said, "He said I've seen Shaggy Dominic. I've seen Shaggy in this space for cards." But um, <laughs> let's see, let's see what we can do. And then he just tried it, and I can tell you, he's one of the the biggest users in the space today. So um, at the beginning, acquisition was more of networking, talking with people. Post post the first set of five customers, right? We onboarded, we acquired. We've, we've done a lot of social media marketing. We've gone to events. We've put our names on events. We've talked with more people in the space. We've discussed with a lot of industry user, um, industry leaders, right? And we're acquiring customers. Today, we have 15 customers. And I can tell you, we have 10 customers integrating on Saturday as I speak. We have 10 customers integrated that will go live within probably, like I said, based on the resources available on their own end. They should go live between today and the next two weeks. So basically, you're looking at shooting to tw- all the way to 25 by next two weeks. Yes, within the next two weeks, we should have 25. And this is this is outside. This is outside um, the guys that are already in the sales funnel, right? This is outside mm-hmm. guys. Already, we're talking of guys that have already committed. They're already integrating. They're ready to go live, right? They are, they've, they've already put it on their roadmap. They're ready to go live this month. We have 10, yeah. 10 new fintechs in that regard. Wow. So that's that's like another set of thousands of uh, downline users. Oh, so we have one there who is migrating a hundred thousand users to our platform right now. So bonkers. So, <laughs> so I, I know I know my CTO has been shouting. I need more help. I need more help because if you bring 
or there's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Because the next thing I was about to ask you is like, um, how do you even cope with you know scalability of your platform? Because I mean, shooting just shooting from wherever you are now and just having a hundred thousand like new on top of that, that should you know do do something to your system. So how do you even manage that scalability? Okay, I I, I think this is where Ini Ini is um Ini is really one of our I would say our secret weapon. Um, Ini has Ini Ini my CTO um also the co-founder for Tyros has been yeah. in the finance space for about 12 years. He worked in banking. Out of those 12 years, he worked in banking for nine years. He helped build the core banking solution for banks in the space. Um, mm. The solutions he built for banks that they're still using till today, right? So mm. uh, we having him on board has been very fantastic. He would just say, I, I remember when we started and I was like, okay, you know what? We need to cut costs. Our cloud services... Yeah. We host it. Let's look for something cheap. And he was like, "No, if it's not AWS, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going elsewhere." And I was like, "Yes, it's expensive, you know, right?" And he was like, "You just have to. You just have to cope with that because once you start scaling, it's very hard to start migrating from a terrible cloud service or from a service yeah. that doesn't have that uptime, doesn't have the strength, doesn't have that scalability." Um, to probably an AWS one, Azure, right? And so we started mm-hmm. AWS. It was expensive. I was biting my my tongue anytime I saw the bill at the end of the month. You know, we got AWS credit from um, YC Startup School. Um, helped us for for the first three months. And uh, but I can tell you today that with the increase in in users on the platform, there's not been a downtime. Yeah. There have not been a, a any issues so far. And um, all the, all he says is, well, our cost is going to go up next month. Our cost is going to go up next month. So I think, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think it's very key that that um, the founders know that you have to choose quality over quantity. Yeah. Over yeah. Quantity. Yeah, yeah. 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 In the long run, it pays off. It might look like it's a bad decision at the beginning, but in the long run, it pays off. And this mm-hmm. is coming from someone that believes in a lean team, that believes mm-hmm. in your cost as low as possible. Yeah. But there's some things yeah. you don't just you don't just give, right? You don't trivialize, yeah. Yes. So you have to make sure you have those core, those core infrastructure in place to ensure your product stands out. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure whenever whenever you're getting that report, you know, of your cost is going to go up next month. Maybe somewhere in your head, you're like, okay, this is this is a problem, but it's a, at the end of the day, it's a good problem to have, right? Yes, it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have because I'm confident that I, I can sleep. I can mm-hmm. go to bed at night and I'm sure nobody's going to call me and say, oh, there's a downtime. Yeah. I'm not going to home because we are very sure of the service we're using or very sure of the cloud infrastructure. Um, yes. a, friend, a friend came to me and was like, oh, I was using so-so and so right now. Uh, but our customers just went to X um, and there's a downtime for the last two days. I was like, what? And then oh, I went right. back, I went back to my city and I was like, oh, thank you for, for, for standing on your ground that we should, we should stick to, to a service that was, that was, that was, that was great. Yeah. I mean, it's so awesome to hear this because I'm, I'm just thinking back about, thinking back on my, one of my uh, recent experiences with a fintech like I'm not going to mention. And it seems like at that point where they got somewhat of a big break, it became their challenge because everything just went from, from bad to worse. I think yeah. it was probably this problem of scalability uh, that 
we got to them. So awesome choice. If you're listening to the podcast and you're, you know, you're dead thinking maybe you should go for something cheaper. Dominic is telling you different now. <laughs> yes, I can, I can beat my chest and tell you different. Go for quality. Go for quality. Now, lovely. So I think at the core of, because you're with Tyrus, it's a bit, the conversation is a bit nuanced. Normally, uh, the conversation is with, it's on how businesses went from zero to a thousand. But with, with Tyrus, you're getting into partnerships that's, that are taking you to like, thousands, but the core partnership themselves, they seem to be few, but the impact of the partnership is a lot. So you're saying now that it's having those conversations, um, going to events, having conversations with your people in your network and social media that really got you all of these partnerships that you have so far, all of the 25 deals that are that are like 100% guaranteed at the moment, or we're there like other strategies in, uh, involved as well. Oh, oh, of course, there are other strategies involved. Um, what, what, what we did was to, when we started, right, like I said earlier, was to make sure, you know, for the networking, talking with, with founders in the space. Right now, well, I think uh, based on what we've done over the last four months, we're now, we're now looking to, to build on our go-to-market strategy more. Um, mm-hmm. Our market acquisition has improved. Uh, we're looking at, okay, you know, we can revamp the websites, we can look to engaging um, a lot more people, um, talk with more people, show them um, what we've done so far, and um, and let our, our our work speak for us. So we're going to be a bit more aggressive in Q4, right? We're building towards that. We've seen what we've been able to do with the lean structure. We're going to bring in you know a marketing manager, you know, trying to get it out there, speak to businesses. But another thing you, you need to know is when you're doing B2B, it's far different from doing B2C. Yeah, so exactly. for a B2C product, I can get a brother Shaggy, right? Um, for yeah. B2C, just shout, you know, give them mm-hmm. an idea of what we're doing and you, you have maybe 10,000 users just come on board over the next yeah. one more. But for it's a B2C, about who is loudest. Yes, it's about who is loudest on B2C space. So my customers yeah. are loud, right? But I don't need to be loud. I don't, I don't need to be that loud to be able to acquire yeah. my customers. So customers yeah. on my own end or the B2B end are looking at quality. They're looking at st- st- stability, right? They're yeah. looking at how, yeah. how is your platform, how stable is your platform? They're doing a lot yeah. of testing because this is financial. This is the financial sector. Any downtime, yeah. you lose customers, right? Mm-hmm. And um, retention is very, very key in the finance space, given that there's a lot of competition in the space. And when you have people that most of our customers deal with digital wallets, we have an increase in the in the in the churn rates for digital wallets, right? Digital wallet yeah. users. So you need to be very yeah. strategic on how you 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 build your platform on the partnership you you build. So when I when I name drop one or two people, right? Uh, we had a customer who came on board about two weeks ago. And I, then I name dropped someone and he said, okay, give me a second. And then he called the founder and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm here talking with this person. Um, I'm, I'm talking with Dominic Tyros. Do you use Tyros? And the guy said, yes, we use Tyros. And he said, okay, that's all. And then he started on body, right? Yeah. Body. yeah. Because he said that I've, I've used that platform, right? And mm-hmm. be stable, right? Transactions mm-hmm. have gone properly. Um, there have mm-hmm. not been any issues. It's secure, and I like what's 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 happening over there. If you are the one providing that service, then I want to be with you. You get 
So you have to be strategic on your yeah. on market acquisition. I'm not saying you don't have to be loud. I'm just saying you don't have to be as loud as the B2C guys in this space. True. 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 Man, uh, I think that makes so much sense because it's a different market entirely. And that that was, I was even just reflecting on that, leaning into the, you know, leading into the next question. I was thinking about that. It's B2B is way different from B2C, right? So how did you identify your ideal customer profile like early on, knowing that you're going for businesses and not just like the general consumer markets? Yes, I think I think that's an interesting question, and I think it was very key for us as well. When we started, we're we're discussing okay, who needs who needs the service, right? So we weren't really thinking about the fintechs. We we're thinking about you know day to day businesses, you know businesses that had that involved their employees traveling a lot, right? We mm-hmm. were thinking about businesses that involved their employees traveling a lot that that had need for spend management, you know, expense management, you know. That sort of that would issue cards, you know, one-time cards, you know, um, reloadable cards, and all that. And so we're we're thinking in that line, and we're working with that that product fit in mind. And then we just had a, a discussion with our first user, like I mentioned earlier. When we spoke with him, and I was like, "Oh, he needs he needs these cards as well." And we're like, "You sure?" Say yes. That those, those were his biggest income stream two years mm-hmm. earlier, but. There's been downtime from the producers in uh, the providers he has in the space, and he just he just he just stopped offering that, and he lost he lost like fifty percent of his uh, customer base because of that. And we said we can offer that to you, and that was one of the reasons why we offered that. And when we offered that, we saw that oh, the market was this broad. We can yeah. now we can now build a use case for different parts of the market. So for travel agencies, right, we can build a use case for them, especially mm-hmm. especially given the fact they need cards. To be able to be operational in places where they go, they are not staying for a, for a long period of time. They are going for yeah. probably a holiday, five days. You know, you can you can have a car that work for five days. We yeah. have that. We have that. We have that um, flexibility on our platform. You can issue a car for five days. You know, load it, load it with the amount you want. You can put in five thousand dollars. You can put in one thousand dollars. You can put in five hundred dollars. But yeah. the lifetime is five days. It will expire in five days. You know that mm-hmm. after five days. You will not have any issue asking, oh, do I do I remember the PIN, the PAN number of this card, the CVV? You have yeah. no security issues, right? So yeah. we worked out for travel agencies. We worked out reloadable cards, you know, for tenors of three years for fintechs. We worked out mm-hmm. one-time use cards for expense management for companies, for large corporates, for multinationals. That was how we were able to find product fits for the different markets we currently offer our services to. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, spending so much time in the market really, really taught you a lot of things to know who you are going for and the angle to come to come true. So, what strategies did you try for for acquisition now during the early stages that like really, really failed? I know that you've recorded massive success. It's not a lot, according to you. You're not where you want to be yet, but. I see it as some like a good measure of success, right? So in getting to this stage that you are right now, what strategy did you try that totally failed? Okay. So <laughs> I, I don't think there's any any one year that that would any anyone in the space that would say their first strategy or the first uh, the first approach worked. So when we started, 
we thought that oh we have good services right we don't need yeah. to we don't need to, we don't need to be out there we just we just we just provide our services we we'll talk to a few people and to catch fire uh we mm-hmm. don't need to, we don't we don't need to spend on marketing we don't need to we don't need to be we don't need to be in people's faces right and when we started yeah between march and between march and may right between march and may we acquired just two customers and we're wondering what's happening we have we have mm-hmm. a good program we are good and then we we'll talked to it. We we'll talked with um, we we'll talked with our, our our advisor, right? And we said, "Oh, this is where we are." And so I was like, "Oh, how how are you guys doing marketing?" And we said, "Oh, we're not marketing. We have a good product. So we we'll just send out we we'll just send out mails. We we'll tell them to." And I was like, "Wow, has that worked so far?" And I was like, "Well, it hasn't." So I think the first strategy of acquisition did not work because we felt we were very good in the space, right? So yeah. when we had to bring ourselves down to Oh, this is the peculiarity of the African market. This is the peculiarity of the Nigerian market, the Ghanaian market. We have a customer yeah. from Cameroon, right? That we need to speak with. We had we got we got a referral from from the the investors of that company, and they said, "Oh, this customer needs this," and we had to build the product for the customer to fit the Cameroonian market. We had to build yeah. it in a way that it fits with. Collecting CFA, right, and realizing mm-hmm. the card offshore, right, and we've seen a lot of value in that. So I think, um, I think what I will say, I will say, customizable market acquisition is very key. Mm. That has really helped us as well. Nice, <clears throat> especially for a multi-layered market like Africa's, you know, um, yes. financial market. Yeah. That's it. So. So would you say at this point in time, would you say you know, Tyros has achieved product market fits? And if the question to, if the answer to that is yes, um, how did you know that yes, we have achieved PMF? Okay, so um I'll say we achieved product market fits, but like like we've seen in, in the best the best fintechs in the world, um you can always become better, right? You always yeah. say that. I always become better. I'll say, I'll say um when when our customer ever send, right, told us that we had the best onboarding process, we had the best customer service in the space. I, I think that was when we knew that yes, we are product market fit. Hmm. And ever send is a product that I really, really love. <laughs> oh, so I said I was going to name drop someone. So that's it. <laughs> Ah, okay. So now that 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 makes it a whole lot more interesting because Everson, I think we're having Everson on the on the show as well. One of the episodes this season. Wow, um, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, actually, and it's I mean it's so it's so refreshing to know that Tyros is actually behind that experience. You know, with Everson, Everson is so amazing. So kudos to you again. <laughs> <laughs> So now, so now, how do you let me let, let's get into something a bit more interesting? How do you approach user retention? I mean, I can guess the answer to that, but I still want you to say how do you approach user retention? Okay, so um, I think I think a lot of a lot of a lot of people a lot of people discount customer service, right? I think customer service is a continuous thing, right? 
a lot of a lot of a lot of businesses discount the fact that it's a 24 hours process, right? So what we've been able to do is we ensure that we had a communication channel, right? For in, pre-integration, post-integration. So post-integration, yeah. you're still able to communicate with the devs. You're still able to tell them, oh, I have this error and it's fixed, right? Your customer service can relate with our devs. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So the customer service, your customer service is not just out there left in the, in the in limbo, right? Your customer service don't, doesn't have to reach out to your devs, then your devs reach out to us. Your customer yeah. service can reach out to us. Your devs can now explain on that, you know, as a follow-up and say, oh, this is what the me, right? Yeah. If communication is not there. And we've been able to do that month on month, and that has ensured retention. Although I will still, I will still boast that um, we've not had any chargeback or card, card fraud in the last four months, we've been live. Okay, so that's so, yeah. that's something that's something that what that what needs to be boosted. I mean, you can boost yeah, about that's, that. That's something that's, yes. So <laughs> for retention, I think that's key. Yeah. So um, again, the next question. I think this I already have an answer to this in my head, but uh, it's still good to know how do you stand out from your competition. Okay. Um, one thing we 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 we're doing right that's different from our competition but focusing on just virtual cards i think focus is very key i think focus is very key right but focusing on virtual cards right we believe that we believe that in the next in the next three four five years right with tokenization cards are yeah. going to virtual cards are going to take over the physical card space so you see things today like oh Physical cards are becoming a nuisance when 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 they have been fully utilized and they've expired, right? They are thrown, yeah. they are thrown in places where they cannot be recycled, right? I think that's yeah. one of the that's one of the big cases that has come up for Visa. Visa is looking at at at, at working on that. They are they are mm-hmm. bringing out recyclable um cards cards um programs. So the card the new cards you see from next year are cards that can be recycled, right? Once the expiry dates has 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 been fulfilled, right? So we we believe that rather than starting to look towards that, why don't we go contactless? We have okay. a young population in Africa, right? Yeah. Everybody says that. So if we have a young population in Africa, we should be we should be at the forefront of mm-hmm. of, of technological development. So we believe that that is the case, right? Yeah. And if that's the case, then we should we should be looking at contactless um, um, cards, and that's where virtual yeah. cards come in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, I, I believe I believe a, a a lot of a lot of our 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 competition are still focused on physical cards. Um, mm-hmm. We're moving we're moving ahead to say we are more on the virtual side of things. We believe mm-hmm. that in another two to three years. Um, in the UK, you hardly see physical cards. I think it's the elderly guys that use physical cards now. Most of the yeah. young ones have NFC, they have Google Google Pay, they have Apple Pay. Yeah. So it's contactless. They just go to the POS and you know they make their payment without having to bring out a physical sure. card. Security reasons yeah. as well. It's better. One thing I also think is an advantage for us right now over our competition is the fact we've been able to walk up around. Catchbacks, we want to walk around card fraud. 
Um, I'm sure you are aware Union 54 went down last year because of charge back of over a billion dollars. We've been able to put a secret mm-hmm. to the way our webhook, our callbacks are on the system. And that has enabled us to avoid issues of chargebacks and, and, and card fraud. Yep. That doesn't mean people haven't tried. Uh, there have been multiple attempts. I think there was an yeah. attempt on Saturday sure. as well. There was an attempt on Saturday. But we've been able to mitigate mm-hmm. this. These are small little things we've been able to do to just make us stand out. I mean, I mean, and I think this these things really, really count when you think about the general experience with financial services in Africa. Uh, you you just realize that these small things, however small they sound, they make a whole lot of difference in the in the for the markets themselves. Yes, it's a whole it's a whole big uh, big positive in the market when you're able to do that. Yeah, well, and for the African market yeah. that's had that's had its own fair share of. Uh, chargebacks and fraud. Um, it's it's a mm-hmm. big step in the right direction, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. That's true. So what, what has Vidin Tyrus like, taught you about the African markets? So, okay. So, there are a lot of things. I'll just I'll just pick. I would, I would say there are a lot of things. I can talk about that for an hour, right? But I'll just, I'll just pick. I'll just pick a few things that just taught me. I'll say one, Africa is still far behind. Still far behind. So, in in the world, in the world today, Africa is the only is the only continent that does not have a borderless card program. There are card programs in America, in North America that spills over to the entire country in North America, from Canada to the US to Mexico. You can utilize one card program, just one API, right? And you can use your cards yeah. across board, right? And you can issue cards across board. In Latin, yeah. we heard about Pismo. Pismo was acquired by Visa last month, which is which is one of the, I think. It's yeah, I think of, I read, read that yes. on the news. Yes, Pismo. Pismo is one of one of the guys we look up to in the space in the card space, right? Pismo has been able to build a card program for Latin, borderless, not one country based. In Europe, I think that's 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 given on its own. We all know that people like the modular, people like um, um, Treads. They've been able to build card programs that are utilized across across Europe. But in Africa, there's no card program. There's no card program today that you would see that you say, oh, I can use in Nigeria and I can also use in Kenya. Right? Mm-hmm. And that goes to show you how 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 there's much space, there's a lot of gap for fintech. So when I hear people saying that the fintech space in Africa is saturated, I laugh. I know, I know um Dr. Ndubisi, I think you should have him on the show as well. Dr. Ndubisi mentioned something um earlier in the year. He said there can be there can be five companies in Nigeria, not in Africa, that can mm-hmm. do one trillion, one trillion in, in volume, one trillion naira in volumes, right? Month on month. Yeah. Right. There can be five companies that do that. And when he said that, a lot of people were bashing him and saying, ah, come on, it's not true. But we have guys like Money Point Sounded right like now. Too much money. Yes, we have guys like Money Point that are doing ten billion dollars equivalent in naira month on month. Yeah. In volume. And I can yeah. tell you, I'm going to, I can tell you that Money Point does not own up to twenty percent of the market market space. So there, there, there can be five guys like Money Point in the market today, right? That that's to show you the gap between financial inclusion, 
between payment payment rules between ease of payment as well there's a huge gap i can i can tell you confidently that africa is still far behind in that wow and i i think one thing we also found out was that in africa um you you don't get to know that the disposable income is that low until you go into payments you find out that the disposable income is that low mm. you also find out that Yes, you also find out that the cost of doing business in Africa, it might seem cheap at the beginning, but in the long run, it's expensive. Wow. In the long run, it's expensive. It looks it looks cheap at the moment, but when you when you when you when you when you look at it in the long run, right, you find out that it's expensive. It's more expensive to do business in Africa than to do business elsewhere. And I can also tell you that compliance in Africa is far behind. So that that has led to a lot of um, you know breaking partnership between businesses between startups in africa and yeah. established businesses outside africa and also within africa yeah yes yeah yeah i think I, I i suffered this particular problem um i used to have a virtual usd account that was very seamless but all of a sudden we got to hear that the provider cut ties with the startup that was offering that service and just like that no startup in Africa could provide a, a virtual USD account. Yes. And it's, I mean, lots of people were stranded with just that announcement alone. Yes. So um, these, these are things that happen. Um, these are things that happen in the space that goes to show that we're a long way from where we ought to be. We're a long way from where we are going to. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of accelerators are in this space but we're still far away from, you know, having a proper partnership, a proper handshake, you know, yeah. between 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 established financial institutions in Africa or outside Africa with fintechs and startups that are helping yeah. build financial inclusion in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So so do you do you have like somewhat of an inkling of how to go about solving that problem? Because I, I feel it's a very important problem that should be tackled with a lot of seriousness. So do you have like maybe some ideas on how we can approach solving these issues? I would I would say I would say um for Africa, I would say compliance is very key, right? I would say we should be able to to meet with the minimum the minimum set compliance rules by the world today, by FAT. Right, we should we should okay. have that in our at the back of our mind. We should we should be able to meet up with the minimum set rules. I'm, and I'm speaking for this on the fintech space, right? In the fintech space, yeah. we should be able to meet up with the minimum compliance requirement. Africa has a long way to go for compliance. We had we had we had we have we have a customer today that hasn't gone live because they didn't meet up with the minimum compliance requirements. And they feel like we are being difficult. But this is, oh. this, is, this is in the financial space. We're talking about people's data. We're talking mm-hmm. about people's, people's funds. You can't play around with that. That's correct. You have to be, you have to be very genuinely conscious <laughs> of, of, of being properly compliant when dealing yeah. with people's data, when dealing with people's funds. And yeah. till today, the, 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 the business hasn't gone live. And we, we, we stood our ground. Yes, we're in market acquisition. Yes, we're in young startup. But we're not going to compromise. Yes, or compromise in this space. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think if I should even contribute to that, I think um, there's a there's a cultural thing there as well. This thing with Africans and like just um, you know getting shot, trying to get shortcuts for everything. You know, so th- that whole compliance thing still comes down to that African. I don't want to call it an African nature, but it's most common or most prevalent in Africans where we just do things anyhow, so long as, you know, let's just keep it kicking like that. Yes, that's true. That's true. Mm. That's very correct. There's a lot of work to be done in the ecosystem. A lot of work. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think that's why you see the CAT scheme in Africa will always tell you, get a big sponsorship from the bank, get the bank to vet, vet to you and, you know, guarantee you before we yeah. can work with you. Because uh, in Africa today, Banks are the are the ones with the best compliance setup, the best compliance processes, and the best yeah. uh, uh, AML policies as well. That ex- that explains it. Yeah. Well, I guess we should roll our sleeves up and keep working. Then we do. We do need to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is one thing that you know now that you wish someone had told you before you started building Paris? I think I think every every founder would tell you that uh, entrepreneurship is not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish you told us that at the beginning, right? <laughs> it's not easy to be a Bill Gates. It's not easy to be an Elon Musk. <laughs> they put oh. in the work. Yeah. But on the flip side, I would say on a serious note, um, there are simple things like ensure that you're revenue generating, right? Mm. Ensure you don't just go out there and hire based on sentiments. These are things that I, I wish people had told me. We had to let a, a few people go in in, in the startup um, when we started. Uh, people that did not align with our vision, that not align with long term plan, we had to let them go. Yes, um, it's very key that you ensure that anyone you're working with, you can go to battle with. Yeah. So as a startup, you consider it like a battlefield, right? There are going to be ups and downs, right? It's not going to be cozy. It's going to mm-hmm. take a while. To, to get going, but you should be able to you should be able to say yes, Mr. A, Mr. B is with me and they are with me on the long haul. So we've been able to bring guys on board right now that we believe are here for the long for the long for the long haul. I think that was I mean here. Yeah, and that instills a lot of confidence in you knowing that when you look behind you, you you have soldiers who are like you know right there. Yeah. Willing to go access. Yes. That's just yeah. you. It's very key. Mm-hmm. And that leads to my next question, which is how would you describe the team at Tyrus? Well, um today, like I, I think I think I've spoken a lot about Ini, so I'll leave out Ini. Um <laughs> our CTO has been fantastic. Um our our operations manager has been fantastic. Our head of products. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the funny thing is, like I said, you should be able to say your team members can follow you to work. I can, I can, I can, I can be up till 1 a.m. and I call, I call our head of products and I say, oh, see what I'm thinking about. How do we tweak this product like this? And it's awake. I wake up and we'll get on it. So these are like I can say the team at Tyros is great, it's fantastic. That's something most people can't say. 
Yes. <laughs> I think it's very key. Like I said, it's very, very key to have a team you believe in that believe in the dream. Yeah. So thumbs up to the team. Uh, so finally, I think this is just like a closing question. Uh, what do you need at the moment? You know, at Tyros, are you hiring? Are you raising funds? Are you expanding? Do you need intros for partnerships? What's what are you looking? For? What do you need at the moment? You know, in case someone who is listening can actually help. Yeah, we're, we're trying. We're trying to raise an angel round, or some people can call it pre-seed. We're in the middle of that right now. We're speaking with a couple of VCs in the space. Um, we're also looking at a lot of networking. We believe that we can become better. We believe that we can be better. I would believe that um, um, we can talk with people that we've not spoken with. We, we've spoken with a lot of people in this space, I can tell you, from Marketa to I2C to Litig to Treasury Prime. We've, we've, we've been able to Galileo. We've able to talk with a lot of people to trades. Um, but I believe that we could still talk with more people. We could still network. We could still learn more. We also believe that with the right, with the right backing from investors, right, um, mm-hmm. Raising is not just about the money, uh, because right now I would say to an extent we are almost profitable, right, based on revenue. Um, mm. Raising is not about the money; it's about the opportunities the investors yeah. give to you, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mutually beneficial partnership. It's not yeah. just the money, right? It's what they can give you in hand. The network, the intros, like you said, the intros to partnerships, they can. Yeah. They can give you the interest to partnership. You can leverage the network yeah. you already have, which you can leverage to take the next step to move from yeah. a one to two, from a two to three. Yes, I think that's yeah. what we really need at the moment. So, yeah, we're fundraising. Right. Yeah, for so anybody out there who is looking to, you know, probably ten x your your funds in in a couple of in a couple of years. Um, Tyros is Tyros is Tyros is fundraising. Who are looking what particular about picking out the right investor as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you guys have heard. Uh, now, uh, Dom, how, so how can people reach you if they are interested? Uh, my, my, emails, my email is very, very accessible. Dom at tyros.io is very simple. And you can reach me out on LinkedIn. Okay, Mute Aoroka. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you very much. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me, Daniel. I appreciate this. Um, you're doing a great job. I know in another, in another, in another year or two, um, we probably will be having to fill a form to see you. <laughs> I, uh, let's, let's see how it goes. I can't confirm on <laughs> but keep on, keep it up. One thing, one thing, the one thing I've learned as well in the, in the startup space is consistency. You might yeah. seem like it's not working at the moment, but just just keep at it. You believe in it, just keep at it. Mm, You'll be surprised you. what you can do. As I, 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 I think I've I've also invested in about two startups in the in the space as well. I can tell you that's the that's that difference between a successful startup founder and someone who tried it and just and just fell on the way. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growing Africa. I hope you were able to learn a few things from our charts. Check the description of the episode for some of the important information we covered during the session. And make sure to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening on. On the next episode, I'll be here with amazing people from another startup doing amazing stuff in Africa. Till then... Please share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. And if you would like to get on the show or introduce me to someone who should be on the show, please send an email to hi at danielloset.com. 
And don't forget, for the full Growing Africa experience, visit danielloset.com slash growingafrica. Till the next episode, keep building and keep growing.